Welcome to the Emerging Artist Development Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Dose. This show is committed to providing developing artists the tools to create an emerging moment. All the tips and tricks you'll learn here are borrowed from 0 to 60 by AGD, an artist development program. Whenever we're recording a podcast, we're live in our Discord channel and available for Q&A. So if you're not a part of that artist community, come and join us and we'll get your questions answered. All right, let's get started. Today's discovery question. What is your perspective on money? I'm going to read this discovery question out of our career discovery in the operations section. Give us an idea of your perspective on funding your career. Do you have an idea of what a budget might look like for the next five years? If you require a large budget, break down where you see funds being allocated. If you think you are able to bootstrap or operate very fiscally, explain how and why. I want to really open this up. I want everybody to go back through. You know what? Actually, I'm going to just read this again. And I want you to really think about each of these things. And if you need a notepad or like open the notes section on your phone and write down what this makes you think. Once again, give us an idea of your perspective on funding your career. Do you have an idea of what a budget might look like for the next five years? If you require a large budget, break down where you see funds being allocated. If you think you are able to bootstrap or operate very fiscally, explain how and why. The reason why this is such an important question for developing artists is... You know, and the reason why discovery work is so important is because if you have really, really lofty goals, like if you want to be a pop artist um, or a major, you know, a major artist, it's really important to understand how everything gets funded in the early parts of your career. And one of the discovery questions earlier in the podcast, we, we asked about how you felt about record labels and you know a lot of folks are saying that record labels are no longer super important but the thing is they still have access to a lot of funding where they will fund an artist that they really believe in and sometimes them believing in it is because there have been metrics shown that give them good reason to believe in it And sometimes it's because of, you know, influence behind the scenes, making it very apparent that they have the support that they need uh, and the talent that they need to have a career. There's lots of different reasons. But if you have very lofty goals, those lofty goals are going to take lofty amounts of money to achieve more than likely. So you have to have an idea of where that money is going to come from. And you could earn it. You can put together a strategy that says, I'm going to achieve X, Y, Z, and that's going to result in a lot of income for me as an artist, maybe without having a label. That's possible. Is it a long shot? Obviously. 
So if you have lofty goals, you're going to need lofty amounts of money and you could earn it, but more than likely somebody's going to have to invest. There's this idea out there that there's angel investors who just want to dump money into artists and that's true. But if you don't know one right now, then you're probably not going to know one down the road. And there's no way to access an angel investor without pre-existing relationships. So if an angel investor is the path that you want to go to, the number one thing you need to be doing is just networking to try and meet angel investors and meeting them casually in a way where you can build relationships. So Angel investors do exist. You're not going to just cold pitch an angel investor and be like, I'm super talented. Want to give me a million dollars? That's not how that works. It works through friendship and relationship solely because the ROI on an artist is, you know, or the odds, I should say, not the ROI, the odds of making ROI is like the same as playing the lottery. So when angel investors invest directly in artists, that's pretty much how they're looking at it. So they're doing it. Their motivation is definitely from relationship and caring for somebody that they think deserves a shot. And that could be you if you build that relationship. So the part that I want to really bring home in this discovery question is the second half. If you think you are able to bootstrap or operate very fiscally, explain how and why. I think this is most artists. And so if you can create a way where you operate rhythmically and consistently on a shoestring budget, then now you are running the odds in a very positive way of having big success. And that budget can be very, very small if you are very, very smart and diligent and fiscal, but you have to make sure that your goals and objectives match that operation. And that's why discovery works so important is because that can be very hard to put together. And so, you know, taking a lot of time to come up with a really solid plan, especially if you're planning to bootstrap and you don't want to pursue investment or big money from a label or an investor, um, time is going to be your best friend. And so rhythm and consistency, uh, are key. So hope that helps. And here's your task of the day. All right. So a while back we talked about brand partnership pitch plans and I want to go a little bit more in depth for your task of the day. And I want to go in on the, uh, what I call the magic triangle. I'm calling it that, that right now I've called it a triangle. I don't know what adjective I used in the past to describe the triangle, golden triangle, magic triangle, triangle of death. I don't know. Um, the, the point being, brand partnerships operate best in a triangle. So in the brand partnership pitch plan, we have the artists go and do brand partnership research. Um, and we have a couple of different pieces in here that 
comprise that research, like pre-existing brand relationships go through and, and think of anybody that you've ever connected with that has a brand, you know, any brands that you've used that maybe you have a rep connection with or whatever. And that's research piece number one. Why I say that's research, that that does seem like, well, you already know them, so you don't have to research them. Well, you actually need to go through and think of everybody that you have a pre-existing brand relationship with, but you might need to research what's going on with that brand and who's working there. Did your connect leave? Do they still work there, et cetera? So you do need to do some research in that portion of it. Um, web brands, like any sort of online brand that doesn't have a storefront or a product, you're doing so much digital advertising that being able to connect to another digital space is going to go a really long way. And then somebody who has a digital presence might be able to help, uh, you know, you find your audience because uh, you might have a shared audience. But then going off of the website and going really granular and finding your hometown brands is key. The nonprofits, this is the, this is the piece that I want to really bring home. I'm going to say these other two, and, and if, if I did this in the last episode, just excuse me, I'm not really going back and looking at these as maybe as thoroughly as I should, but I also feel that the listener base, and y'all could let me know in the comments, but I feel like the listener base, it's like the idea is for people to listen to this every day. So even if I'd covered something before, I feel like it's maybe a new listener that maybe missed the one before or doesn't hurt to just have it kind of hammered hammered in and go over the same stuff a couple of times. So excuse me if you're like, you already did this, dude. Uh, so we'll just finish this research bit here. But um, So it's nonprofits and then regional brands. So when I say regional brands, this, this does need to attach back to a live performance strategy, which we'll get way more granular on a live performance strategy as we go along in this podcast. But um, regional brands needs to attach to your brand, your, uh, tour strategy and the, uh, the markets that you're trying to develop. So that's where that connects. And then, uh, influencers. So that's who you're going to research for your brand partnerships pitch plan. But I want to go in depth on the triangle that is the nonprofit. So, you know, sponsorship is something where I think a lot of artists start to think that like, oh, well, I could get a sponsor who would give me money to pay for everything that I'm trying to do. And that's true. Um, you could if you have a really big audience, but you don't have a really big audience, or at least I'm guessing you don't because you're listening to an artist development podcast, which means we're developing that audience. So no matter what size audience you have, we want to go bigger, right? So in thinking about your brand partnerships, it's best to not approach the brand partnership from the idea that you have an audience worth them leveraging. That's not your biggest move right now because you're in development. That will show up later on. And honestly, like, you'll get an agent, like your booking agent will have somebody on the team that works in partnerships and things like that. The label might, your manager might, right? So, so the leveraging of your audience with brands is going to happen like 
after you have that emerging moment. But that doesn't mean that you can't start brand partnership relationships before you have that audience. The easiest way to do that is through what I've talked about a ton in the discovery work is through core message, right? So if you have a core message, a values-based message, then finding a nonprofit that really, really aligns with your core values and your core message is going to go a really, really long way. Now, the nonprofit might have audience, and that's great, but they don't necessarily have to. What brands are doing all the time is they are always trying to do brand marketing, which is where they elevate the status of the brand and the reputation of the brand to humanize it. A stale brand that has no humanity or no connection to people and culture is, uh, is it really isn't a brand, like it's a product. And that's the difference, right? That's the difference between a product and a brand. Nike sells shoes. What makes the difference between buying a pair of Nikes versus buying a pair of sneakers. We can say that it's the quality, but I think we all, I'm not, I'm not knocking the quality of Nike. I'm sure it's, I'm not really a shoe guy, so I don't, I don't really know. But I think we can all kind of connect the dots here and say we buy Nikes because of the connectivity that Nike has to culture and what it says about us. And so Nike built their brand off of that connectivity to culture. And that's why it's really important for brands to participate with nonprofits. And so you can be the piece that makes that connection because nonprofits don't have the support that they need for marketing. They rarely have the support that they need, and they always need spokespeople. They always need people to spread the word about what they're doing. Well, you're a conduit for that. You're a perfect person for that, and you're able to create the, the triangle of death the triangle of awesomeness by approaching brands and saying, Hey, I'd love, I'd love to get involved with your brand and, and see if there's any opportunities for us to collaborate. That's your starting pitch. And then you go to the nonprofit and you say, Hey, I love what you're about. I share a lot of the same values. I'd love to get involved and collaborate. And now both are taking interest in the collaboration the brand will be looking at your audience and right when they're about to be like, I don't know if this makes sense for us. That's when you bring the nonprofit in and they go, Oh, cool. Home run. Right? So you have the power to create all that even before you have a big emerging moment based off of your core message and your ability to communicate, which is what being an artist really is all about. So, uh, and all of that can happen on a small level. This doesn't have to be big. These can be small brands and small nonprofits to start. But if you build your reputation for being somebody who connects all those dots, that's going to go a long way for you. Inspiration Highway. Finding your identity doesn't mean changing your personality. 
Having a message doesn't mean standing on a soapbox. The spark at the center of everything that you do, when allowed to grow and turn into a flame, it will emanate from everything that you are and everything that you touch without any effort from you. And that's when you know you've found it. That's when you know your truth. Wow, you made it to the end of the episode. I'm impressed. Uh, Listen, I want to keep the conversation going. I want to hear your questions, your ideas, what this made you think about, uh, where your challenges are, and, and maybe we'll have you come on the podcast to talk about it. We are live in the Discord often, so be sure to jump in the Discord and and discuss these things with us. And then if you haven't yet, you really got to go over to zero to 60 by aging.com and you got to watch the free workshop because there's some really good stuff in that workshop. It's like 45 minutes of like solid stuff. I'm Nathan Dose, founder of AGD Entertainment, author of zero to 60. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a good day.